Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Welcome to the Backstory Podcast. I'm your host, Colby Cole. This is one of my favorite rappers, and I've known all of the rappers my entire career, but you are a rapper's rapper. Mr. Jadakiss has joined the podcast. What's up, bro? Oh, brother, how you been, man? I'm good, man. I'm good, man. So look, you know, what's interesting about your career so far is that how impactful you've been as an artist. But I wanted to kind of tell a little bit of your story. So, you know, one of the great things about this podcast is more or less a history. So today is a little history of Jadakiss. And I think what's really interesting about you is that you grew up in the New York City area, Yonkers, but you were sort of a first-generation hip-hop kid growing up in the place where hip-hop was created. So what was that like for you, man, just, you know, as a kid? And it's like this thing is happening around you, and then you become a part of this thing. It really, it intrigued me. Hip-hop, it grasped me at a really young age. Breakdancing, hip-hop, fashion, the sneakers, the Adidas tracksuits. I wanted all of that. And I think my mom also knew something. She knew that it affected me because my my moving up ceremony from pre-K to kindergarten, my Aunt Emma bought me a little radio and my mom bought me the Sugar Hill vinyl. Wow. You know what I mean? And like, what kind of gifts are those they get for like a, a kid going to kindergarten that just left pre-K? So, you know, it was my uncles, the, the B-boys outside, the D-boys. I just always looked up to them and, and it, it took an effect and it took, the, it took a toll on me. I wanted to be part of it. Okay, so Sugar Hill Gang, we get it. We all like have our Sugar Hill Gang story. Who were some of the other artists and songs that really impacted you? Like when you heard it, you were like, um, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, Run DMC, The Fat Boys. All of them was the early, you know what I mean? LA Sunshine, Grandmaster Cash, dumb, dumb dudes like that. I used to hear like mixtapes or like white label songs from them in my uncle's room. And I'd just be in his room all day just listening to the music. And they'd be like, why is he in our room listening to this? But like I said, it hooked me. And then after that, I would just, you know, go on to always wanting to be and listening to pirate radio in my room while I ain't in my clothes. That's the days of putting the tissue in the back of the cassette tape and taping over my mom's Luther Vandross or some of my (laughs) something my mom's loved and getting my ass whipped for that. Yeah. But um yeah, that's how much I loved it. You know. It did so, come from YO. They had a couple of they used to have some park jams. They used to have an event called Black Heritage Day that they throw and eventually I moved to that side of town. But when I was a little kid, I lived south side of Yankees. So the event was very far and I I went I don't know if I took a rode my bike. I think so. I rode my bike all the way down there. My mom was looking for me. I was sitting on a hill just looking at the uh, the rappers because there used to be a lot of rappers that performed. And um, I thought she was going to wear me out because I was way out of way out of where I was supposed to be. But once again, she must have knew that I was so intrigued and loved it. She didn't, I didn't even get in trouble for that. But I, thought I, I thought that was going to be the big one. I thought she was going to kill me for going all the way across town. So then when you were like 11 or 12, you started battling other people for money. 
where did that come from? Like, you know, just being in the streets and seeing other people rapping, you just started challenging folks. It was real. When you say money, it was, it was, it was pennies. It wasn't like no real, you know what I mean? Nothing like a smack battle, a purse from a, a real battle of today, but you know, yeah. five, $10, $20, $50, $100. You had it at 12 years old though. That's, that's a lot of money. I, I thought I had some skills back then. You know what I mean? I, I I was almost like a shark. So if you didn't if you didn't really take it serious, I knew that I could take you because I was like one of the young cats that was a little bit ahead of my time back. Then. So were these just battles in Yonkers, or did you go to other parts of the city to, to battle people? Nah, these were just these were just local joints, people that I know. You know, mm-hmm. hood joints. So Ooh, then hood. you you eventually went to Florida to be in a contest or something, right? Nah, we went to Atlanta. He was in Jack okay. the Rap, Jack the Rapper convention. That was much. That was a few, maybe a couple years after that. And so, did you get a chance to perform at a at a what a new artist session or something? Is that that? How old were you? It was me, Sheik, and DMX. Me and Sheik had to be maybe like eleven or twelve or twelve and thirteen. Wow. And X had to be a little, you know, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen or something. What was that like for you? Because the Jack the Rapper, I mean, I remember Jack the Rapper because I used to go and I was a young guy in the business, but it was so overwhelming. There was so much going on. What was that like for you to see that side of the business at such a young age? Oh, it was amazing. You know, we I was in awe. I got to see Tupac. I got to see Tretch. I got to see the Live Squad, Redman. Um, and them, they were young in their career, but we were still like, holy cow, we in the same venue with these dudes. You know, it felt like we made it. And then, because we performed with X, like I said, we we really ripped it. I think we might have went on after Naughty by Nature or after Tretch, and we did a good job where they they showed us a lot of love after, and, you know, we felt good. That was We talked about it for the rest of the uh, trip because we, we was riding to Boston. We took the Greyhound to Atlanta, wow. took the Greyhound home. But, um, we were so grateful to be on that trip. It didn't even, we didn't even realize it was that many hours, but yeah, it was a successful trip. We felt great about it. So then that, the, let's uh, talk a little bit about the journey to just being a, an established recording artist in the business. So you get a little taste at a very young age. And then was that when you decided like, this is what I'm going to do. Like I'm really going to commit myself to this. Yeah. I think I committed my, I said I was going to commit to my, I was going to commit to this around nine or 10, not knowing that was just out of the passion and love of hip hop, not really knowing I would be able to make a living and, you know, buy my mom a house and put my kids through college and through, but just the love for it. I'm like, I'm going to do this. I don't know what else I'm going to do, but I'm definitely doing this. And um, me and Sheik always lived next to each other. Like our grandmothers were neighbors. And then our grandmothers happened to move from that block and they moved to the same projects across town. And we moved to the same area on the north side of Yonkers after that. So that was crazy. I mean, South Yonkers. It was just a kinetic energy for us to be together. Then we start, you know, we met P in school. Then we start learning how to record. Initially, it would just be whoever had the setup, the two turntables, amps and mixers and speakers and a bunch of crates of records. Then that led to us putting our money together, going and learn how to record in a real studio. Then we start doing demos. We start cranking out songs, just trying to figure it out. You know what I mean? Taking meetings, getting our hopes up high to get shot down again. Um, the journey was a, it was a rough journey. It took a quite a few years before 
something really stuck. You know what I mean? So what kept you motivated? Because you knew you, you you guys were the, we're talking about the Warlocks now. So it was before even you were the Locks. Yeah, before the Bomb Squad. Yeah. We were the Bomb Squad. Then we were the Warlocks. Then we was the Locks. So did you change the Bomb Squad because of the producers that were the Bomb Squad? Or what? what no, nah, no, nah, we didn't even know. We was we didn't even reach that. We didn't even know there was producers called the right. Bomb Squad. Yeah. Right. We were just locally bombing everything in Y.O. and Yankees. So we, we came up with that name. But, um, you know, rap had switched to horrorcore. Grave diggers. diggers. and all yeah. that. So, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a horrorcore phase in rap. We was the Warlocks doing that, like, hardcore horror rap. And then once we got the Puffy, like, that's not marketable. Y'all gonna have to figure something out. Well, Drop the war. The war is but, over. Y'all just the locks now. So y'all figure that out, whatever y'all gonna make that mean. But right before that, you know, what was that like for you when you saw Mary, who came from the same community, Yonkers, all, all of a sudden become Great this? segue. It was beautiful to see MJB holding it down because she was neighbors with my aunt. And one somebody, one of my main men that be eventually came to be my hype man for the Kiss of Death era, mm-hmm. Jamarco J. Bop. He was the one who passed her the demo. Once we thought the songs were good enough, she was on tour with Puff and Jodeci. So we had an in. Once we seen her rising, we knew just stay patient, keep recording, and that the least of the least, we can at least pass her the demo. And if nothing else works for us, we'll sign to Mary because we know, you know what I mean? She's right. she our family. But she, she passed it to Puff. You know what I mean? With no strings attached. She didn't want no money or none of that. Just like, you know, those my little brothers. I'm doing my thing. I'm young. I'm in the middle of my career or the beginning. Let me give it to somebody with some expertise. And that's how we got on Bad Boy. So then you get to Bad Boy. And so at that point, you know, Puff was really just starting to take off anyway. Like he he had, you know, just started his own company on the back end of all of the success he had with Uptown. What was that moment like for you in hip hop? Because you saw Biggie. Right. You saw like the energy of what was happening in hip hop. What did that feel like to just be associated with that at that at that time for the locks? Oh, it felt amazing. And it wasn't still wasn't that easy then because we took a lot of meetings with them. We would be around that video. We went to the um, Can't You See video with Total and Biggie. And you know, I mean, we wasn't on the label yet, but we was right there in the mix of breaking broker in the deal. So we was invited to a bunch of stuff and. That would just drive us crazy because we like, damn, this is we almost about to be down with them. We got a chance to be down with the the hottest thing in music right now. Coming from YO from Yankees is that's like far fetched. We didn't even want to let an increment of it out because people would be like, Y'all lying. I ain't right, I right. get down with bad boy and puff right. and biggie. Get out of here. So we had to keep it airtight, but we was just so anxious and our anxiety was up until we actually inked the deal and then we felt a little good especially you know big embraced us you know what i mean he made us feel he made us feel welcomed at the label and we was good after that whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about Kaskali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. 
they're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And, you know, Puff was from nearby Mount Vernon, right? So, like, yeah, y'all yeah, all yeah, yeah. Puff, had the, Puff had the Mount Vernon and 914 ties, so it was a little bit of, he got a little bit of love off that. He knew about Yonkers being from up there, so he knew if he, he had something, he heard us, how we were spitting. He like, yeah, let me get a, let me get a jump on this. And then around the same time, DMX, he gets launched on on Def Jam, and he went through his own struggles to to get to get on. So it was like, it was interesting in that time period because you guys did twenty was it twenty four? You did Mace's record, right? Twenty four hours to live. That came after I think some of the first ones was the um, Get At Me Dog freestyles. Yep, twenty four came. Niggas done started some. All of them songs were we were all together. At, it was a period where the Locks and Mace and X, we was all always together for like a nice amount of months or years. Mm-hmm. What was it like for you when you first started to hear yourselves be named? Because I, I heard about you all before I even heard a record from you. I remember just hearing that the locks were coming, the locks wow. were coming and everything that was on bad boy was a hit. There was not really ever a dud on bad boy. And so when you really started to get some features and I, I know, I believe you guys did something with Mary what what did that that feel like in that moment after all of those years from a nine year old who claimed you want to be a rapper to like you know ten eleven years later you're finally in this moment? It felt great because the first time we actually heard ourselves or heard me wasn't myself. It was something that I wrote for Puff. It was the Faith. I remember you used to love me remix. Yeah, he did the remix and I wrote Puff's verse, and but I had the version with me doing the reference. That I brought back to the hood for the so the hood could hear it, and they still was like doubting it a little bit until one day on the radio, the actual mix came out with him spitting the verse, and then they like, oh, y'all really on bad boy is on. Then after that, we did the uh, you'll see our first song on bad boy is featuring Big. So imagine how that got to feel. It, it wasn't no pressure because we didn't look at it like that because we, we were so thirsty to get on. We didn't care who was on the song. We was just thirsty to be here. But um, for Puff to throw us on the first joint with Big, that was amazing. And, you know, the people loved it. And it was on after that. You know what I mean? There's no looking back after that. What was that New York moment when, like, you just said, man, I made it? Like, this is the, what was that first time that you just was like, because New York is tough it's It's not easy to be a rapper coming from new york and gets respect from all boroughs in the city what was that moment where you felt like man i I made it in my hometown i think we was up at flex for something promoting something or talking about something and um i was up next to rhyme and big was like he called me out like jd kids let's go you know what i'm saying and when i went home my mom was listening and she was like i heard how big he liked you. Like he called, he was, he was waiting, for, he was introducing you to go up next to do a freestyle. To, you know, like, yeah, no, nah, he, he messed with us, man. It's love. But, <laughs> we yeah, know, we doing this, now, man. It's happening. Like, yeah. So <laughs> I think that was one of them moments right there for me. Yeah. Cause I, I was already thinking that. And then when I got home, my mom was like, yo, I, I was listening to the radio. And before you went, Big was like, Bigging you up, I'm like, yeah, man, we good, man. We gonna yeah. be all and right. Big was Big was the biggest person in hip hop at the time. So, Facts. yeah, like yeah. Mike Jordan, 
Yeah. So you get that co-sign from the best guy in the game is, it's you know, got to got to feel priceless. great. Yeah. So finally, the debut album comes out for the locks and you guys get a chance to just go all around the country. How how was that experience for you as a rapper? Was it everything you thought it was going to be? Did it feel like I'm really on this journey or did those obstacles that you faced because you did face a lot of obstacles as a group and as an artist? You know, when did they start to come in? Because you 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 guys went through a, a real interesting transition when your first project came out. I mean, for the most part, it was pretty smooth and they laid stuff out for us because we came from the bottom, so we wasn't like diva rappers. We we didn't need too much. We just needed the initial essentials and resources, you know what I mean? Something to eat, maybe some weed and some... It was all new to us doing a promo run, like a, a old school promo run where you get in the van and ride up and down the coast and, you know, do morning radio and afternoon radio and mix show, then go perform and then, you know what I mean, and repeat the process, so... When they first sent this out, it was like, what is this? And we had to learn how to conduct ourselves and, you know what I mean, who was the program directors and this and that. It was it was like a lot to take on, but having three of us made it easy to, you know what I mean, to, to navigate and figure it out. I think that was the, in the beginning, that was just the, the toughest part until we like, nah, this is what you got to do to, to sell records and have some success. You got to build these relationships with these program directors, these DJs, these, these executives. And that's when we learned there was another side of it to just the craftsmanship. You know what I mean? Well, what, what was that city that you got to? Because, I mean, I'm pretty sure from you coming from the hood, like, and go to places and people know who you are, right? That's got to be mind-blowing, right? Like, like, where was that one city you went to where you just couldn't believe it? Philly was, for it to be so close, it's like so close but so far because the love was like, that's why I call it my second home. It was it was amazing. The way they embraced us, the, Philly was like the first city that knew all of the words. They knew all of the freestyles. They knew everything. They loved us. Like, they couldn't, they would always, major figures would come down to the hotel Everybody would come see us when we came to the city. Like, and I'm like, yo, this is crazy. Virginia was like that too, also. Then it started getting like that everywhere. But the first real place we always loved to go to was Philly. Like, we would do, we, we couldn't wait to go to Philly for anything. So then you go through this transition after your first album. And obviously, unfortunately, Biggie dies, and that kind of changes the landscape of uh, Bad Boy. And you all really at a time did something that most people would never do and is that you stood up for yourselves as artists and you challenged the system that you were in and you wanted to be free because you wanted you felt like creatively that you weren't able to do the things that you wanted to do as a group and that must have been very difficult for you all because you know this business and this business can shut you down in a heartbeat but where did that energy come from and that confidence because you guys were still young and yeah, we was young, album. Coke. We was yeah. young. We was radical. We didn't give a damn. But we knew how powerful. We knew the forces we were going against were the top elite. You know what I mean? We knew it was that or nothing. And we actually sat down in a room by ourselves. No, you know, Rough Riders said, y'all go in there and figure it out. Because at the end of the day, initially, it's going to be y'all decision and it's going to fall on y'all. So we went in there like, yo, we know we don't have the the finances to go through the litigations, you know what I mean? We know we don't have the connects. We we damn near nobody's, but all we got is the streets, you know what I mean? So we said, we're we going to use the power of that. We're going to win. We're going to go together. 
whatever we do is going to be in unity. We're going to win or we're going to lose together. But just know if this don't work, <laughs> I hope this is, I hope there's some type of trust fund or I hope you got a plan B because it is going to be hard to recover from this. But, you know, thank God the Lord was with us. Higher powers in the streets was able to help us. And, you know, what I mean, good faith, good business. And, you know, it really was just brothers having a squabble that was able to work it out. Because with that being said, we also learned a lot. We learned a lot being on Bad Boy. We learned a lot from Puff about the game, even if it was from stuff that happened to us or stuff we just learned. But yeah, we had some great times over there, and we learned we learned a lot of stuff that that helped us all the way up to this day. I brought that up because your situation was very rare. It just that never happens that way. The moment an artist no facts, up. facts, yeah. Yeah. facts. We got to do a book. We got to do something on it because yeah. That never happened again. Never, that. never happened again. Look, it's like it's again. like Deshaun. It's like Deshaun Watson signed that guaranteed contract. Uh, quarterback, ain't nobody else. Never again. <laughs> they're gonna give that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you guys had a Deshaun moment. So then you go over to uh, you really just we went back. home. We went back yeah. home. The rough so, riders and DMX was uh, you know just the king at that moment. So. Um, and then Rough Rider situation at Interscope ended up being just great for you all. And you basically dedicated the first album on uh, in this new situation to the streets. And you could hear it. You could just hear the energy of that that project. Talk about the freedom of getting off a of bad boy and being able to just do what you always wanted to do. And the energy that went into that first album uh, on, on uh, Interscope. Uh, it was like a loud difference. Um, you know, making the first one, it was a lot of critiquing. It was a lot of criticism. It was a, you know, even though we was we we loved the results, but it just felt it wasn't as comfortable as we would have liked it to been to you know to be recorded. It was a, it was a it was an awkward feeling for all of us. And um, posed it doing we are the streets, you know, in Powerhouse Studio and Yonkers. He recorded some in the city too in Manhattan, but it was much easier project to do. It felt like it was nothing. It was like recording and recording at home. He's able to do whatever we want. Even if we had to get critiqued, it was critiqued in a way where we all was able to go back and, and understand what we had to do without feeling like he was being shitted on or talked down upon or just not feeling the energy or the vibrations that you needed to have to feel like that. They like, it's like having dogs in the yard and you just open the gate and let them, you know what I mean? That's what it was. They let us do us and they helped us while we was doing us. Well, and it was a whole nother energy that came and hip hop was changing. So you literally pulled out of that situation that was taking you down a road that just that's not, wasn't who you were into this new road where you were sort of aligned with where hip hop was going at the time and DMX was sort of leading the way. So that must have been a, you know, a, a, a breath of fresh air for you to just be able to have that moment. Super breath of fresh air. We felt, we never felt better in our lives. Like, yeah. Uh, it's like going to work grumpy. Then you come into work, all smiles, Kool-Aid smiles for the next two or three years. So yeah, it was, you know, we was, all around the board from production. It's just like going from the mailroom to having your own office. 
And was that in the plans when you guys formed as the locks that you were going to sort of do the Wu-Tang model and everybody was going to do like a like a solo project? And was that the, the original goal or did that just something that you decided that you wanted to because you were first to do a solo project? What was the energy going into that decision? I mean, in the beginning, I don't think we had planned. We never set out. We didn't make an initial oath to do solo projects. We just wanted to do locks. We was just the locks, and we was, you know, we just wanted to prove to the world we was a dope group coming out of Yonkers, and we had a lot of steam to let off and wanted to get a lot of stuff off our chest. But then after we started learning that, about more budgets and creating revenues and open different ways to get some more money. We're like, yo, let's do some solos. You know what I mean? Then once we all start creating our own identity as individuals, as well as, you know, a solid group, start doing solo. Well, you guys had some monster records on your own, which must be cool because you guys are still doing shows today and that you had, you know, you and Style Speed uh, just, you know, I always, I always tell Pete whenever I see him, that I Get High song is one of my all-time, it's one of my top 10 favorite hip-hop records. No and doubt. I always look at you when you did, like, Why, and it was just, in that moment, no rappers was doing that. Like, you was just, like, a hardcore dude from this particular era, but then you would do this record that was just sort of inspiring. It was so inspiring, you were saying so much truth in there that you was you was pissing certain people off. But I love that honesty, man. Like you got you got Bill O'Reilly. He was like so worked up over why. And I was I couldn't understand like why I was just so it's really just a great story, right? But it's just asking a bunch of questions. Yeah. Yeah, I just try to always, you know, we always try to give some jewels, always try to step out the box a little bit. And I had that song in my head for a long time, but I could never get it out. I wanted to ask questions that I think the world wanted to know instead of just one demographic. I wanted to ask the right caliber of questions. And then um, I got a package of beats from Havoc. And when I played that one, I'm like, oh, I think this goes to this song, this song I got in my brain called Why. And I loaded up the beat and I start trying it. And it's me and Pick start putting it together and it came out crazy. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And again, it was a different side to you. We, You were rapping about the streets and all of that space. But then this just showed a different side to you. And again, we would just, I mean, J- Jada, you would just, you just dropped so many gems in the course of, uh, of your career and guests. I, I just remember like the Reservoir Dogs, stuff like that. Like yeah. I, I remember the first time I heard that and I remember your verse. First of all, that was an epic record with all of the different rappers that were on it. But you was just, you know, still sort of ascending at that time. You hadn't really like dropped, but yet you're on this caliber of a, of a record with on a major album and all of these great MCs and you held your own. 
I mean, it was always something special and unique about you. And why was just like, oh, I could do this too. I mean, one jewel we got from Big, always do everything with the same intensity. Whether it's a song for the girls, whether it's a St. Odds beer commercial, whether it's uh, come with that same type of intensity and try to kill it the same way. And then it come across how you want it to come across. Like, don't take nothing for granted just because it's something that they're not normally hearing you for. Like, when you heard Big do the Bone and Biggie, he killed it with he the same that. intensity as yeah. Crack Commandments. Yeah. So, yeah, yep. you know what I mean? Yeah. So um, with that, because you speak about business, I just love that you had ventured out on your own to do some other things outside of music where you and, and Styles P did the juice bars, which you have in New York. You have a bunch of those places. But now you got this coffee. And I just saw you on um, Tamron yeah. Hall show. And talk a little bit about, th- about this coffee and where did this come from? Because I saw her reaction to it. And I was like, oh, I got to I got to now I gotta, I, I'm a coffee kind of sore. So I got to I got to oh, taste this Jada coffee. Man, say no more. I got yeah. you. Um, my dad been in coffee. He worked for the um General Foods Maxwell House division. I think since like he said nineteen seventy seven. Wow. He raised us. He raised you know he took care of my household off coffee and um he got me drinking it early. He bring me to school. I have to go get him his paper and the light and sweet and the butter roll. Then I start getting the light and sweet and the butter roll and he eventually branched off. He started working in Wall Street. Then he worked for the Dreyfus Company. Then he I got his own company, Katora, where he worked behind the scenes doing um trading coffee and marketing and shipping and you know what I mean he knew all the everything about coffee, but he was behind the scenes on it and he was always like, Yo, you should think about doing your own blend. And I'm like, Yeah, I was too busy though. I'm doing my music thing. Then uh fast forward. Put my son in college. He graduated from Clark Atlanta in psychology. And my dad was thinking, if I didn't want to get into business, my son would want to get next to him and learn right. it. And my son was like, he ain't like the idea of sitting in the office behind the desk. So, <laughs> you know, he wanna, he got ants in his pants. He wanted right. to be out in the field and moving around. After the first verses against Fab, everybody, I, you know, I was a little inebriated. And they, they, was te- they was texting in the comments, Jada drunk and get kids some coffee or get them some water. You know what I mean? Make sure you don't fall off the stool. And my kids was over my mom and dad's house and they were showing them on the iPad, the, you know, the live comments. And then he, he was like, maybe we should do something for a hangover or, you know, an antidote or something like that. But the whole idea of connecting it to being drunk, we didn't like that. So we scrapped that, went back to the drawing board and then, um, after the other verses with Dipset, I start getting a lot of opportunities and momentums and, you know, things start coming, a lot of traffic. He like, I think this is the time to start get your blend. You know what I mean? You got the world looking at you again. It's a beautiful time. So we sat down, me, him, and my son. We we had him roast some blends. It wasn't right at first. We kept, you know, working it out, trying and trying it. Then once we got this Beiju blend right here, we, I called in, uh, you know, my man Seth Free. I called in Seth Free and the marketing team, him and his wife and their staff, to do the marketing. Um, got the packaging right. We got the blend right. We got the business. And then we launched it. It's not a play. It's not a money grab. It's a beautiful blend, you know, medium dark roast. It's for coffee lovers like yourself, coffee connoisseurs. Uh, we didn't want to make it for coffee snobs and just 
charge fifty dollars a cup or <laughs> do something, you know, yeah. take advantage of my name or you know what I mean. We wanted to give you a good product that we stand by that you're gonna love it when you taste it. And you know, we doing our thing like that. Where and can people where can they get it from? Is, is you it can something get you it want? on the website, it's e-commerce only right now. Mm-hmm. Kisscafecoffee.com. We we look to have some brick and mortars opening up soon. Wow. And I always say from that versus two that you were on, I, I always thought that moment where you did the New York song, bro, that was just like, I get goosebumps every time I see it because it was just, you know, we, we're East Coast people. So like we were there for the whole thing. Right. And then now right. the it's so morphed into so many other different, not taking anything away from any other part of the country, but there's nothing like that, you know, 90s, early 2000s, New York hip hop. Golden era. It's yeah. the golden era, Cole. Yeah. There's nothing yeah. like it, brother. And your and your eyes in that moment, and uh, and the New York comes on, and then they show Fat Joe sitting there, like it's almost like a tear <laughs> is coming down his eye. That was just the greatest, man. It was just like, man, I missed that. But we we just had a lot of fun, man. It was just such great music, great times, and and such a connection that we had to the culture, man. So look, man, I, I just want to salute you. I wanted to get get you on here to to tell your story, and I really appreciate you. And uh, you know, gonna try this coffee going to support it and man just you know another thing about your dad too you know you know a lot of people don't know that your dad like actually stopped you from the first deal that you did because your dad is a businessman and he didn't like that first deal when you was a kid first deal the first deal wasn't right he sent rough riders back to their lawyer to come back with, with, with some better terms and all that yeah and again kiss just going back to what you did with bad boy right that never happens. Never you always happens. sign the whack deal. Like it's just, it's just, it's just, <laughs> it's just the way it is. But your hey. pop stopped you from the whack deal. That's a fact. That's yeah. a fact. Yeah. I never looked at it like that. That's a fact. You're I right. mean, that's that's the real. Well, listen, yeah. man. Thank you for checking in. Uh, make sure you get that Kiss Coffee, and uh, we look forward to just more more projects, more energy. And it's time, it's time anyway for for the locks to just get back on the road. I mean, were you, I saw you on the Bad Boy reunion tour a couple years ago, but I mean, any plans for you? We're working. We in the studio right now. I'm actually on the Legends of the Streets tour. It's almost over. It's almost yeah. over on the east. It's about to go out west. I don't know if I'm gonna go. We working that out right now. But I'm, we got I got some projects coming for you this summer. Solo and locks projects. We working, baby. We here to stay. <laughs> Coming up on the next Backstory Podcast, Alicia Keys. I didn't know this at the time. I was still a kid, 16, 17. But the reason why I was in my best interest is because Clive also had everything to lose. He was going to start a whole new situation and people doubted him completely. And here I was, you know, the chance to, I also had nothing to lose. And I had to create an opportunity for me any way possible. So we both could not lose. And that is what made us both win. But I never knew that. I didn't really understand that. But now looking back on it, that's why it really was divine. The Backstory Podcast with Kobe Kolb is an Urban One Incorporated Reach Media Pod is Good production. Hosted and executive produced by yours truly, Kobe Kolb. Edited by Donkus. Follow us on Twitter at BackstoryPCC. On Instagram, get the backstory. Senior Director of Podcast Operations, Sierra Reed. For sales and corporate partnerships, Josh Romani and Michelle Marino. Digital Marketing, Walter Gaynor, J.R. Smith, and Tim Hall. Thanks again for listening to the Backstory Podcast.